You are listening to the Tenth Men podcast, where we discuss the ideas, theories, and principles to help you live a wealthy, healthy, and happy life. My name is Harish, and I'm a third-year medical student. And my name is Felix. I'm a graduate entry medical student and content creator. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Tenth Men podcast. It's been a while. Uh, Harish and I have been busy moving into our respective universities and settling down, so we apologize for any disappointed listeners. That being said, though, we do have a really, really good episode coming out right now, which is actually based off a fan suggestion. So, a friend of ours, Sani, who listens to the podcast, thank you. Uh, he suggested that we do this topic, and hopefully, we can cover it. So. As always, I'm joined by my co-host Harish. How are you doing? I am doing good. I have been in my third week of medical studies of year three. It's a bit intense. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the plan was to do this podcast first. Initially, it was every week, then every two weeks. But yeah. I think for both Felix and I, it got really intense that we had to postpone it to every one month. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, our academics is our priority, so I, we might ramp it up later on when we've got into a routine. Because I've just started the first week of uh, medical school as well. So, and how has that right been? Now. Yeah, not bad, man. It, there's a lot of differences because of the whole COVID situation. You know, it's not a classic freshers, but we, you know, we life goes on, and we kind of just deal with it and adjust and keep going. I think mm-hmm. Warwick is definitely doing the best they can to try and, you know make the best of the situation but how do you feel about you know finally doing graduate medicine yeah it's fun i'm excited i'm excited i'm ready to learn you know been waiting a while for this um mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we'll see how the how the course goes okay cool so today we're going to be covering something called fomo which stands for fear of missing out so we're going to explore what fomo actually is why we feel fomo and how we can deal with FOMO. And lastly, what dealing with FOMO and sort of overcoming it, it will lead to in the end. So Harish, can you kick it off and like tell us what FOMO actually is? Yeah, um, FOMO, I mean, basically it's an acronym. I think that was coined around the 2015s or 2016s. It basically stands for fear of missing out. Mm-hmm. And um, well... Rather than the fear, I think it's a misconception is the anxiety feeling that people get. That everyone gets when you feel like other people might be having a massive, great time without you. They're having this drinking party, they're playing football, and you're just at home reading a book or just sleeping. And then you're just wondering, should I have said yes to that outing? Should I have just gone with them? Ah, I should have maybe. And then you you sink into this whole anxiety, depression kind of uh, rabbit hole, thinking about why did I do this mistake? But I mean, the thing is, it's a very natural feeling Mm -hmm. because it is a feeling that humans have felt for a very long time. It's just now it has a name to it, fear of missing out. That's about it. That's what I would rather say because I I can remember the time I can actually relate to FOMO mm-hmm. uh, I think it was in grade 9 I think it was just grade 9 or 10 right before the O levels Yeah, and my classmates were like yeah let's go play football we've booked a pitch and everything let's go and then I was like no guys um, I need to study 
I got my phone work. Mm-hmm. And then deep down, I'm like, oh, I should have said yes. I should have said yes. And every time I'm doing my math homework, a random, random thought pops up into my mind. It's like, oh, I wonder what my friends are doing right now. Yeah. Should have gone out with them. They could be out in Mackey's right now having some burgers right after their match. And here I am sitting at home, toiling away yeah. at this assignment. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Yeah, that's that's essentially what it is. It's it's one of those things that's like the modern struggle, right? Because we have so many things, like we're lucky enough to have so many opportunities and things to go to that we're actually fear in fear of missing something valuable out. So FOMO, it can, like you said, it can almost completely just undermine a well-lived life. Like even when you were doing that maths homework, for example, you were thinking of something else. And by definition, exactly. you're not actually doing the homework. Yeah, you're thinking I, mean, of... I was procrastinating at that point of time. Yeah, exactly. So it's even diminishing like your ability to focus even when you're not doing the thing that you're missing out on. Mm-hmm. And it will essentially drive people to follow a crowd as well out of fear. Yeah, because yeah. they were like, okay, I don't want to miss it out and other people are doing it, so I'm going to do it. So it's essentially the opportunity cost, which is like a business term. So an opportunity cost where, you know, of making a decision where whatever decision you make, okay, whatever you decide to act out and, you know, by the way, whatever you decide not to act out as well will have a cost to it. So for example, you decided to do the maths homework and therefore the cost was you miss the experience of going out and playing football with your friends, right? So in a nutshell, it's the feeling you get when you have the loss of other alternatives when another alternative is chosen or a decision is made. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I've come across this very similar theory. I can't pin to where I heard it from, but basically there's this theory that every time someone makes a decision, yeah. like a yes or no decision or whatever it is, mm. the universe splits into two where one universe could have been what you actually could have been experiencing and one universe yeah. is what you're actually experiencing right now. And it's something that you actually have to live with. And at that point of time, it was a really interesting concept to me. And now I know what it actually means, like in relation to FOMO and everything. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's, I think it's a, is it a, do you mean like the butterfly effect? Um, I don't think so. It's something else. The butterfly effect is something about just like how a minuscule. Small steps. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's different. But yeah, I mean, anyways, Felix, now could you expand on, you know, why would someone actually, you know, feel FOMO? Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's try and break it down. Okay. I'll focus on the missing out part first. Okay. So on the whole, we miss out on a lot of stuff, whether it's not investing in Bitcoin or Apple like ages ago, right? Because you would have got a ton of money back or getting number uh, or getting one number wrong on the lottery we're missing out on a lot of things constantly, okay? Mm-hmm. But, Harish, you, you probably don't have a fear of not buying a lottery ticket every day or of not investing in stocks every day, right? No, I don't. Why not? Well, because it's not relevant to my life at the time being because I think my medical assignments <laughs> are more important. Simple as that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, mate, you're playing right into my cards. Yeah. So it's probably because you have, using your past experiences and knowledge, decided that lottery tickets, right, are not aligned with what you want out of life right now. Okay. You've got much more yeah. important things. So that's where the fear part kicks in. So we've we've addressed the missing out part now the fear is what you feel so because for example instead of a lottery let's say that you miss the chance to go into theater and learn a new procedure or go on holiday with your friends right and you have to decide between them 
then the fear it k- kicks in because it's something that matters to you, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's where the emotional part, so that fear of kicks in because when you miss out on something that you actually value, the lottery tickets you don't, but going into theatre you may. Yeah. I think that's that's when or why we actually feel that fear. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that makes sense because since we attribute a value to a certain event mm-hmm. and then when we don't attend that event and that's when the whole fear and anxiety kicks and that's what I believe in basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that being established, so we understand what we miss out on and we understand how fear is invoked depending on what it what the event actually is and how much value we attribute to it. How do you think we can actually deal with this whole fear? Well, I mean, <clears throat> before that, I think I also have a bit of point regarding the why do we feel FOMO as well because, mm-hmm. um, well, I mean, the most interesting example I came across, I just feel I need to share it because for me, my experience was the football experience. Yeah. But I've been doing a bit of research into FOMO because let's be honest, everyone has experienced it at one point of time in their lives. The most common example I came across was people feel the urge to pick up their phone every time they get a Snapchat notification, a messenger notification. And that's not because, you know, they're addicted to their phone, Mm -hmm. but rather they fear they're going to miss out on some massive event and they really need to pick up their phone and look at what it is right now and then. And that kind of really got me thinking because what actually causes someone to actually say, you know, uh, I want to, I'm going to pick up my phone because it comes down to the fact that people can't say no. That's mm-hmm. what I think. Okay. Because it's very easy to say yes to many, uh, many things that people, you know, many of the decisions people face in their lives. But the hardest thing to do in life, at least for me, even for me right now, is actually to say no. Because what we feel is if we, f- if we say no, mm-hmm. you'll start to feel like an outsider. Mm-hmm. We might get judged, or if you don't go for the football event, or if you don't go out for the nights out, be like, hmm, yeah, this guy just studying in his room, man. I mean, does he have a life? And all these thoughts start going in your mind, and you're yeah. like wondering. Uh, and that's when the fear and anxiety builds on. Mm-hmm. And just to avoid that, we say yes. Okay. And for the people who say yes, they as well deep, deep, deep down know that you're supposed to say no. Okay. Because Let's be honest, everyone has a list of tasks they have to do on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Okay, they have, they are not, not everyone has a rigid schedule, but they have a certain idea, skeleton of what their day should look like. Yeah. And when someone says yes to an event that was unplanned, and now the list just gets longer, and when they attend the event, that gives them more opportunities to like, you know, procrastinate mm-hmm. and like, you know, uh, avoid the work they were doing and the work just piles on and that in itself gives them anxiety and fear yeah so one thing i've come to realize is the fact that they can't say no and that comes down to the fact they always have fear and anxiety and i believe these two emotions comes down to the people's core beliefs at the end of the day mm-hmm. so one one example i came across i think it was in a ted talk this guy practically summarized it because I also had this FOMO feeling at one point of time in my life. I'll be honest that everyone must have had it. You must have had it, right, Felix? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So he pitched this a simple example, like one day when you've achieved all your goals, you've reached the maximum peak of your life. 
you're worried that you know you have no one to actually celebrate it with mm-hmm. because you know you missed out on these opportunities to go out with your friends because since you missed out on these opportunities and now you don't have any friends because these were the best time to build friendships mm-hmm. and now who should i actually share this enjoyment with mm-hmm. and uh, the most common example i can say is many people including me have found yourself in a situation where you know you have said no to an outing and the next time you meet up with your friends all your friends can talk about is the outing yeah and they're so just they're wondering what is actually going on and then they start saying these inside jokes and then you just start wondering oh my god have i drifted away from my friends mm-hmm. what is going on yeah. because half the time for the next one week or two weeks all they can ever talk about is this outing which just that once you fail to attend and that in itself causes fomo and there's just one scenario of the millions and millions of other scenarios for fomo mm-hmm. and <clears throat> the reason why we feel like this as i said is for the core beliefs and i believe it's due to some people's outlook on life i'm not saying you know oh yeah i'm genuinely happy about everything in my life mm-hmm. but some people out there are generally unhappy about the outlook on their life mm-hmm. and even i do as well at times you know everyone just goes through this ups and downs in their lives people do feel happy at times they do feel unhappy i came across this in a times article i'll try to link it in the show notes later if possible yeah So when someone actually feels there's a unhappiness what they try to do is they go on social media like Instagram or Facebook and then they try to validate their feelings they're like oh yeah I want to just see if other people are in the same rut as me you know mm-hmm. maybe just try to validate my validate myself a bit more like yeah this is I'm feeling unhappy so I'm assuming people would also be unhappy mm-hmm. but when they go on social media that's when you go down this rabbit hole of FOMO again Right. because what people don't realize is on facebook and instagram come on you can't deny this that they only specifically choose to put in highlights of their life someone saying everyone does that mm-hmm. but a fair share do, do you do you agree with that yeah no 100% i think instagram is like the best of the worst or even then if it's the other way around it's the worst of the worst do you know what i mean there's no like yeah. point yeah exactly and when we look at these highlights of other people's lives we just start wondering oh my god they're having the best times of their lives and here i am in my rut what am i doing and then you start mulling over the certain situation that put you in this rut and then you go into depression anxiety and the whole pile of emotions basically mm-hmm. so what people fail to realize is we are at times trying to validate our emotions by comparing ourselves and i'm not saying comparing is a bad thing comparing is okay because you know as humans we are naturally inclined to compare with other people but i think just comes down to accepting that reality what do you say felix yeah i think i definitely agree with you on the whole idea that fomo is perpetuated by the things that surround us so what you said was that a lot of the times we have fomo because we think whatever the other person is doing by comparison is better than whatever we're doing and the worst thing is because of our natural inclination to compare it doesn't matter if you're a millionaire it doesn't matter if you are like the best race car driver you will always look at that one person doing this other thing right you could be the best race car driver in the world but then you look at someone 
who's you know driving um I don't Lewis know. Hamilton yeah exactly yeah you just look at like an F1 driver it's like wow this is amazing um <laughs> I think there was like a comedy skit where I was, I was talking to a friend about this where um there was this guy who was a neurosurgeon right and he was at this school meetup event and everyone was introducing themselves going, okay, oh, my name is uh, Belinda and, you know, I'm a policewoman. And at the end of every conversation, he'll be like, mm -hmm. oh, oh, you're a policewoman. But it's not really brain surgery, though, is it? You know, you know, so he basically trying to undermine them. So the, the, the twist of the plot is that um, towards the end, this guy comes in, right? And he's wearing, I don't know, he's just wearing a jacket and he's like, hey, uh, yeah, so I'm an astronaut for NASA. Um, you know, I just work there. And then he's like, oh, I'm a neurosurgeon. And he talks, the astronaut talks about how hard his job is. And the neurosurgeon's like, yeah, but it's not brain surgery, is it? And the guy, the, the astronaut's like, oh, but it's not rocket science, is it? You know what I mean? So there's, <laughs> there's always an element of comparison with anything that you do. So I definitely agree that things are perpetuated by the things that surround you and our natural ability to compare. But where I sort of went f like further is that when I was at Newcastle, this whole topic of FOMO was raised, like what was put forward to me by a bunch of undergrads. You know, they'll often like, they'll just straight up ask me, they'll be like, hey, so should I spend first year partying or should I study more? You know, they'll be like, just, just <laughs> I've come across that as well. <laughs> yeah. They're just, you know, it won't, it will, it will have like no, you know, stuff. they won't be like, okay, so this is what I want to do. This is what I want to achieve. What do you think? You know, do you think there's a balance? They'll just be like, listen, man, I can do two things. I can party or I can work. You just tell me which one to do and I'm going to do it, right? And if it goes wrong, just know you told me the advice. And, you know, <laughs> every single time I'll be like, listen, man, I don't know. Okay, the same way, I don't want to prescribe anything with this podcast. It depends on what your priorities are and what you're aligned with, right? So, like I said, the classic example is the student that thinks of going to the party or, or otherwise staying inside to study. If they choose the party, the opportunity cost is that the experience of the party, that, which you lose in the process, but the gain is that you revise and ensure that you progress in your studies, right? Yeah, so yeah. Here's, here's how I think, you know, if you're wondering, this is, here's how I think you should deal with it. The first thing to understand with FOMO is that it's derived of the whole decision-making process for me, right? Mm -hmm. It's derived mm -hmm. of creating an opportunity cost and having a gain because you lose something in the process and you gain something, yep. okay? Mm -hmm. So first thing to understand is that decision-making process. So how do we make decisions, right? So we use our past experiences of trial and error, okay? We associate trial and error with good or bad outcomes, okay? Some are good, some mm -hmm. are bad. Then we bias our decisions such that the present decision will yield a good future that right mm -hmm. that makes sense mm -hmm. so this can be like summarized in the three step or the three r's of making decisions okay so you first record what matters to you so let's say you want to increase in weight so you record your weight so you can track how well you're doing then you mm -hmm. review okay so you use your knowledge you think okay so what can i do um you know you continually grow you read you learn and you use that to review so that your knowledge doesn't become stale. So you change with the times. And lastly, you revise, okay? You, you're pliable. You become like water. You mm -hmm. adjust, you revise your plan, you change it according to the circumstances. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And those are the, that's the basic step of decision-making. Now, when it comes to FOMO, what you want to do, right? So with the whole example of partying and studying, you have to think of this fourth element, which is why I don't like to prescribe things. Because your whole decision-making is dependent on alignment and time, okay? And what that means is that you would, in life, 
there are certain things that are easier to do when you're younger, okay? The same way mm-hmm. there are certain mm-hmm. things that are easier to do when you're older than vice versa, okay? So it's easier to play, to become a peak Olympic athlete when you're like 27 rather than 72, okay? So it would make sense for you to train and swim, right? When you're younger rather than older. In that way, if you think about the whole partying versus studying, to make that decision, you take what you have recorded, okay? So in this case, it would be something like your grades, okay? How well are you doing in comparison to what you aligned for? So, you know, I want to get 80%, but I'm only achieving 50%, right? So you'd have that record because you're tracking it as you should. Mm -hmm. And maybe you'll also take how many times you've already given yourself a break by seeing friends. You know, if if you saw your friends like literally like 20 minutes ago, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's time to study and they're asking again, you know, is it really a good thing? So alongside yeah. that, you think, okay, how important is this event? Is this a birthday? Is it a once in a lifetime event? So there's so mm-hmm. many factors and it all depends on what you align with, right? Mm-hmm. So let's play, let's play the scenario out in terms of FOMO. So after a while, okay, however you choose, whether you go to the party or to study, okay, to manage that balance it will yield a result okay it may be bad it may be good okay so examine how your plan played out in this case and ask yourself what the right choice is because in this case the basic opportunity cost that you have if you choose to go to the party is the time okay so if your grades are good for example okay you don't need that time to revise then yeah go for it if not then don't But again, it depends on your alignment. It depends on how well you want to do. Some people are happy with 50%, others want 80%. So the lesson is that when you are navigating FOMO, which is essentially navigating the decisions on what you're going to do, and because ultimately you're going to miss out on something, right? So it's about decision-making. So when you make your decisions, your decisions are dictated by what you value because what you value will dictate how you spend most your most valuable resource, which is time. Right. Exactly. Makes sense. So, again, there's so many variables. For example, if this is a birthday party, because when I was at university, I had this like general rule that I would tell my mates. I'd say, if you gave me enough notice, I will almost always turn up at friends' birthday parties because it only happens once a year, you know, compared to a house party, which happens once a week, right? Or used to happen <laughs> once a week, right? So you have to think about all of these different variables, and if you think about that and apply it to lottery, for example, technically speaking, by not taking a lottery ticket every week, you're technically giving up your chance to win millions, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a student, if when you go to university, you miss out on spending three years working. But when it when you look at it in the long term, okay, it doesn't really bother you. You don't have FOMO for not playing the lottery because one, you think it's probably very unlikely you'll win. And two, therefore, it's not a worth while investment because your primary motive if it was to gain money in the long run okay your time Mm -hmm. is probably better spent invested in a degree okay if you want to eventually become wealthy does that make sense yeah 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 um it absolutely makes sense because starting with the what what you said about decision making i completely agree with that so um i think it will come across this for the downhill line or maybe you might have heard of it so in mbbs degree at least we have mm. this thinking where we call this type one and type two thinking. Yeah. I don't know whether you've heard of it. So type one is, have you heard of it? I think um, there's a book by Daniel Kahneman called Thinking Fast and Slow. He's a yeah, Nobel yeah, Prize I, winner. And yeah. I, th- I, th- I think, is that what you're alluding to? 
No, maybe, but I'm not sure where they got this entire information from, but this has yeah. been taught to us like in lectures as well. Mm -hmm. So it teaches us as medical students on how we are supposed to think. Mm -hmm. So type one thinking is very impulsive kind of thing. I wouldn't say impulsive, but like, you know, you wouldn't even think about it and you just immediately respond with an answer. Mm -hmm. That's what type one thinking is. If someone asks you, oh, do you want to go out for the night out today? Mm -hmm. And then your immediate answer is yes. Mm -hmm. You don't even like, you know, uh, weigh out the decision in your mind. That's type one thinking. Yeah. yeah. Type two thinking is where you basically rationalize your decision. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think decision making comes in. And I also have a bit to add on to it. So like how Felix said, you have to like you know, think through based on your goals, you have to weigh out. I like to think of it as a CBT model. So I don't know what, I don't know whether you guys know heard of CBT. It's called cognitive behavioral therapy. It's a technique used usually by like, you know, uh, doctors for people who are suffering from anxiety. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have this template that I try to use on a daily basis as well. So what I try to do is, so basically this template, what it has is, it's split into seven sections. Mm -hmm. One of it says situation. Mm -hmm. Next one is moods. Mm -hmm. Automatic thoughts. Evidence that supports the hot thought. Evidence that does not support the hot thought. Balanced thought and how you feel right now. So let me just walk you through it. I wouldn't be too long. Just mm -hmm. bear with me for a little while, okay? <laughs> so basically, let's pick a situation where I have to go for this football match. That's a situation that has been presented to me. And the mood at the exact part of time when someone presents the situation to me is I'm very excited. Let's go for this football match. Mm -hmm. But the automatic thoughts that come into my mind are if I go for the football match, I won't be able to do my math homework, and probably I would have to get a scolding from the teacher. Mm -hmm. But if I don't go for the football match, I can do the math homework and I can improve myself. Mm -hmm. Those are the automatic thoughts. And at the same time, you start feeling anxious because if you say no, then your friends might judge you. And whether they, and then you start thinking whether you might get a bit distanced from your friends. So these are the automatic thoughts that go in your mind. Now, the next part is evidence that supports the hot thought. Now, hot thought comes down to what is the predominant thought that you have in your mind, which is probably going to be anxiety about being you being distanced from your friends because you're not attending the football match. And now, you have to be true to yourself here. You need to find evidence that supports the hot thought. Do you have any rational evidence that says that your friends will actually be distanced from you if you don't go for the football match, probably you would come up with nothing. Nothing. Mm -hmm. And the next one will be evidence that does not support the hot thought. So that means you want to you have to be rational with yourself. Come up with evidence that shows, oh yeah, they actually you know would, would not judge me. And you can come up with tons of evidence because these, are, these guys have been your friends for the past five years yeah. and they have never said anything bad about you. They have never judged you for whatever you have done. And these are actually factual evidence. Mm -hmm. So it actually comes down to you being absolutely truthful to yourself yeah. as well as being absolutely rational. This, this is what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. And then the next section is balanced thought. So what you have to do right now is balance out the two evidences and see which one weighs more and now it shows that yeah my friends would not judge me if i don't for the foot if i don't go for the football match mm -hmm. and how are your moods right now rated yeah actually i feel okay i don't feel anxious anymore because i know my friends wouldn't judge me okay so i can miss it on the football match mm -hmm. that's how 
one should actually approach a situation if they feel like you know they're going through this FOMO scenario. But before someone can come down to this type of thinking, like you know the CBT model, mm-hmm. one has to actually become self-aware. Yeah. Yeah. I do not know. I mean, the past few episodes have always been linked to like, you know, to being self-aware, being, you know, conscious about what yeah. you do, meditation, so on and so forth. So it just comes down to you actually being aware yeah. that you're actually feeling FOMO. Yeah. Pe- people don't realize that. Yeah. People just feel like, oh, I feel anxious. But they don't realize that they're actually feeling anxious because of the fear of missing out feeling. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. So I think that's the first step. Being honest with yourself and becoming to the terms that you're actually feeling FOMO. Yeah. And then start following the CBT model where you first try to rationalize the thoughts. So if you're feeling anxious, so simplifying the entire CBT model, I'll just try to simply say this. Find out while you're feeling anxious, try to find rational evidence that supports anxiety and find, try to find uh, any evidence that does not support anxiety and then weigh it out. Okay. And you can come to a decision mm-hmm. that'll actually eventually help you laugh further down the line. So I've been actually been applying this on a daily basis because, you know, I've been reading, uh, I've been looking up into stoicism. CBT is something that came <laughs> from stoicism. So that's why I looked up into CBT and it actually has been really helpful. It's not, it's, it doesn't have to be used with someone who just has anxiety or anything. It can be used by anyone. So yeah, that's what type two thinking is. That's what, you know, CBT model is. And this is very easy to say. So what most people do right now actually is, you know, try to find preventive cures. Mm -hmm. So if they realize they're actually going up on social platforms and, you know, trying to compare their lives, what they do is they deactivate the Facebook account. Mm -hmm. They deactivate the Instagram. I'll tell you what I did actually is actually pretty funny. (laughs) What I did was I liked tons and tons of memes on uh, meme pages on Facebook. Right, okay. <laughs> so what happened was my entire Facebook feed was just full of memes and I couldn't see anyone's status. <laughs> so every Jeez. time I logged into Facebook, all I would just see is memes. I'd be like, yeah, okay, that's not too bad. But that's just, you know, short-term solution. I'm not saying it's a bad short-term solution. I mean, it worked out for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. All I saw was memes and kind of kept me happy. It's the treatment, but, not the cure. Exactly. Yeah. You got to find a long-term solution. And that's when I came across the stoicism, CBT model, type 2 thinking. And if everyone just finds this all complicated and stuff, mm-hmm. uh, the most simplest thing someone can do is try showing gratitude. Or basically what it means is, you know, try to be more attentive. So as I said, like in my previous section that, you know, the main reason why people feel firmer is because they feel that they are unhappy, so they go on social platforms to validate their feelings. Mm-hmm. So what you should try to do is find the source of unhappiness or try to be more happy. I know it sounds very abstract to say try to be more happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is look around you. Mm-hmm. Think about the things that have been taken for granted. Think about what would happen if I take away your phone. Think yeah. about what would happen if you didn't receive education. Try to be thankful for the things around you. Try to be more attentive around you. Because what you're essentially doing is being sucked into this fake world of social media. Mm-hmm. And you're not paying attention to the actual the real world. So it comes down to showing gratitude to the things that are around you. Stop taking things for granted. Mm-hmm. Having clean water. Having, to, having a bed to sleep in. Many people in the world don't have these kind of resources. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm I'm not saying like you know this is the best solution 
but this could be the start of something new. Yeah. That's all I'm saying because there are some people who have some serious problems like depression. I'm not saying these are the solution for that, but this could be the step to something new. That's all I'm trying to say. Do you agree with this, Felix? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of points that you touched on uh, that I agree with. I definitely agree with the whole intentionalism, right? Where you live in oh, intentional yeah, yeah, yeah. life. So the, I think the whole CBT method is basically like, it sounds like there's a lot to do. You know, when you're faced with a decision, you have to go through this whole pathway in your head. But if, you, if you're self-aware, like Harish was saying, all of this would already be done. You would have already reflected yeah. on your values and mm-hmm. it would be, you know, it would, did you say the type one was the quick one, the quick decision, yeah. right? Impulsive. Yeah. So your impulsive decision may even be modified to align with your values because that's what you want oh, yeah. to do eventually, right? No, so that, that's the thing. It eventually comes down to practicing so much of yeah. type two thinking mm-hmm. that it becomes a modified type one thinking. Yeah, because yeah, we pretty much got the gist of it. Because you always have the impulse, but mm-hmm. because you've done, because you've biased it towards type two thinking, you will always shift to yep. whatever it is that you should be aligned to. In that way, you remove FOMO. <clears throat> so, I think, yeah, because and then you'll also reduce opportunity costs. So, I think that's something I agree with. Alongside that, I was thinking in terms of the whole conclusion thing. So, in the Chim paradox, oh, I've referenced this book so much, yeah. but um, the whole conclusion thing in that in the book there was a paragraph which said that a lot of impulsive stuff comes from our chimp right uh so just a quick summary so the chimp paradox talks about how there's a chimp in your brain which is all this impulsive stuff i guess type one and then there's a human which is type two which will actually think through and rationalize stuff and there's a computer the computer is irrelevant but the the author was saying that when you are being irrational when you have an impulsive decision what actually happens is that you'll make a conclusion right and then you'll find evidence to support the conclusion right it should so if you're in the human state of mind it should be type 2 thinking where you find evidence first then Mm -hmm. make a valid conclusion right but impulse does it the opposite way around so i i definitely agree with you on that one and also the gratitude stuff i thought was really important so i think this was one of the one of the things i always remember so there's this like indian like philosopher guru you know he's pretty big on youtube his name is Sadhguru. i don't know if you've yeah, seen yeah him. yeah yeah it's like it's, everyone must have heard of yeah him. so he has this i don't remember a lot but there was this one point where there were he was like someone someone was asking like how do i be happy how do i be more grateful and he was like just when you wake up every day okay and i do i do this every day when you wake up every day just sit up and smile and they were like, "What well, are you crazy? Why are you just smiling for no reason? Um, the classic explanation is that, you know, it tricks you into thinking you're happy. But actually, he said that you should do that because you are lucky to have woken up. Because a lot of people around the world went to sleep and, you know, they, no, they just didn't up. wake up, you know. And they've just missed out on life, you know. So... Yeah. Talk about that for FOMO. Uh, so they, they just didn't wake up. So you should be happy for that. So I agree with you on the whole gratitude side of things. But for me, I think with FOMO, when you're dealing with it, I want to give an interesting like aside on a different sort of FOMO. So I was looking into it and there was a second scenario of FOMO. It's called Kymo, not chemo, Kymo right? K-I-M-O, which is Mm -hmm. the knowledge of having missed out. Okay. So basically it's the past tense of FOMO. So you know for sure that you missed out on something that you could have taken advantage of, 
right? Mm -hmm. So let me give you an example. So this is, I think I brought this up earlier. So this guy's name is Laszlo. On May 22nd, 2010, this guy, <laughs> right? So this, this day is known as Bitcoin Pizza Day because Laszlo agreed to pay 10,000 Bitcoins for two delivered Papa John pizzas. So 10,000 Bitcoins right now, so 10 years later, is valued at a, <laughs> guess, guess how much it's worth. Well, right now, I'm assuming one Bitcoin is slightly over 10,000. So 10,000 times 10,000, bloody hell. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot. So it's worth around $100 million, yeah. right? And and he bought two pizzas yeah. with it. Okay. I think that was the first transaction that was ever made. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, you got right. it. Yeah. So it's, the thing is, if you read into it, however, he doesn't regret this. And you think, okay, that's like the biggest FOMO or Kaimo you can think of. You've just lost $100 million and you don't regret it. Um, and he was saying it was because it wasn't worth much, uh, much back then. And he actually believed so much in the currency. He believed that this was the future of currency. He just wanted to be one of the first to use it in a real world transaction, you know? So he, he got a real world good by using digital currency. And that to him was a big thing. And the thing is, when you think about it, was it a good decision? You know, because it sounds from him, it sounds like it was. Because the thing is, he probably didn't give all of his Bitcoin away. If he had 10,000 Bitcoins, he probably had a lot more. So he probably still has a lot of money, right? And also, there's a national, like there's a holiday named after him. So maybe the media attention uh, that he that he's gotten, I think he runs a business now, you know, may even give him enough traction to make the money back one day. So was it worth it for him to be one of the first people to make a transaction using Bitcoin? Maybe. Right. So what I'm trying to say is that when someone makes a decision, right, the re the reason be the reasoning behind the whole key chemo, right, so knowledge of having missed out, they make the best decision they can. But later, due to whatever vari variable, it may become a bad decision. So in this guy, he thought it was the best decision, right? Mm -hmm. And in the end, it turned out he had a massive $100 million opportunity cost, right? I don't know how much the pizzas are worth, but definitely not $100 million. So it, many people in his case would have felt really bad about it. And the same thing with COVID, actually, this is interesting. So if the government locked everything down early, right, after a couple of months, in hindsight, if the whole lockdown thing works and, you know, the, the infection rate was lowering, it will actually seem like an overreaction and, and people will criticize the government. Right. Some people will be like, okay, why did you lock it down? You know, I mean, so it'll seem like an overreaction. Yeah, exactly. So what I want to address was in this case, so even though we try and optimize our decision-making process to make sure, you know, to minimize the chance of something bad happening, we can't account for all the variables. Mm -hmm. And people sometimes get frozen on the whole FOMO thing because, you know, should I go out with my friends or should I study? Because they get frozen on whether or not deciding whether the opportunity cost is higher than the benefit gained from the alternative. Okay. So this is very relevant because these sort of people, what they'll do is they'll try and fix the decision before even making them, right? They'll want to make yep. the perfect decision, which is impossible because to do that, you'll need to know everything, which is again, not possible. You can't accurately predict the future. So all you can do is the best within an allotted time frame. So, that's aligned to your value. So just make sure that you don't fall into the trap of thinking, I need to know all the information to make a decision. And this is a very natural urge, right? Because who wants to make bad decisions? But people should try and make, do their best to make decisions with the information they have and move on accepting that in hindsight, okay, in hindsight, your decision was most likely imperfect and you have to move on without the regret. 
obviously you'll have to improve on what you learned because the variables that you did not consider when making those decisions are most likely variables that you couldn't control, right? Mm -hmm. There was no point in worrying about it. Now, to finish off, there's a super simple thing that another... <laughs> this episode's got so many Indian monks. So there's another Indian monk called uh, Gaur Gopaldas. I think he did like some American work. Have you heard of him? No. Yeah, so I think he worked in America for a bit before he became a monk. So he was lecturing students about managing stress and to an extent about uh, FOMO, I guess. And he said a very simple statement, which to some may be obviously true, but to these students, it was like a revelation. And I've remembered it since. So the statement was, so he asked a question, uh, whatever the event is, can you control it? And then it was like, no, then why worry? And then he asked it again, he's like, Oh, this event, can you control it? Yes. Then why worry? Okay. It's so simple, right? Because the thing is, either way, there is no logical place for fear or worry. It's just need all that is needed is just acceptance of our ability or inability to affect the outcome. Okay. And that mm -hmm. comes from living an intentional life. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, I will say what it can lead to in a second. But before that, what do you think? because uh, I want to see what you say. What do you think dealing with FOMO will lead to in someone's life? What's the actual like outcome of dealing with FOMO and overcoming it and living an intentional life? I mean, the short answer is happiness. <laughs> I mean, that's a more logical and you know, correct answer, to be honest. If you don't have FOMO, because essentially, if you don't have the fear of missing out, what mm -hmm. you are doing is you're focusing on the tasks that'll actually improve you in life. Mm. You're, mm -hmm. you're prioritizing your life first. Mm -hmm. You understand what you're losing out on. The mm -hmm. kaima in your case, <laughs> you understand what you're losing out. But despite that, you forego all that losses and you focus on your life. You focus on the priorities yeah. you have and you work hard at it because you know that if you stick to the tasks you have at your hand right now, mm -hmm. it'll eventually lead to happiness. Or whatever your term of happiness is. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. what I. That's what I certainly believe in because if you look at it in a logical perspective, mm -hmm. the whole premise of FOMO is, is the fact that we base our emotions of something that we can't control, as you said. Mm -hmm. We can't control a certain event. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Like once we are foregone the decision like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to go for the football match. It's mm -hmm. no point worrying about it if you think about it. Yeah. Because the decision is made. Mm -hmm. And what you can do right now is focus on the task you have at hand mm -hmm. or you can worry about it and go down the rabbit hole of anxiety and depression. Which one would you logically choose? The one to focus on, focus on the task you have at hand because that will eventually lead to your improvement. Mm -hmm. That's what... I believe, you know, foregoing, you know, this entire emotional form will lead to. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I think that's basically what I have because, yeah, you basically played into my reasoning as well. The idea is that dealing with this whole fear, okay, of FOMO starts from firstly defining your values and then setting up your life, your environment and your habits so that they align and also resonate with it, right? And we've talked about this in our intentionalism, like intentional life podcast. And like you said, I think, I think it was Jordan Peterson. So when he was lecturing on the symbolic significance of Bible stories, he would say that 
the parables and scriptures are essentially like movies in that or like Shakespeare plays in that they are a reflection of common and extremely repeated human behavior that's been repeated thousands of years over and over which is then distilled into a story so that it's memorable okay and it's easy to pass it down now in this way the bible becomes a timeless document filled with advice right so the thing is all stories okay have a climax or an ending and at all times stories are progressing towards something and jordan peterson said that it is important it is so important to know who you are and what your story is because like i said all stories are going somewhere but you may not like where your story is actually going or how it ends and that's why you should try and be more intentional and being intentional will eventually lead to a lack of fomo so the thing is if you can align yourself with your self-reflected values then you can live a life where the opportunity costs are irrelevant because your decisions are made based off what you want your life to be where you want your story to go and how you want it to end and lastly what you think is the best way to get there in this way you control exactly what you miss out on and i guess you may even encounter new new termalet jomo which is joy of missing out the joy of missing out on something because you know you're gaining something far greater so in this case it could be a case that you didn't go to play football with your friends but in return you may have got a really good grade in your maths exam which may have led to more opportunities down the line etc etc but like i said all of this can only be dictated by you because it's all individual based on a ton of variables but yeah that's sort of what i think dealing with fomo can lead to jomo <laughs> what do you think harish yeah i mean it certainly makes sense happiness joy yeah mm-hmm. i think the same synonyms in it yeah. so at the end of the day it's jomo <laughs> <laughs> So FOMO, KAIMO, and JOMO. There you go. The three things that you need to remember. Because the, the heuristic that I, that, I, that I use nowadays is when I'm faced with a tough decision, I try and do the thing that is harder in the short term. Get what I mean? Like gym is hard in the short term, but in the long term, it's going to pay off. Um, so delay gratification and all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's everything that I had on it. You got anything to yeah. add, Harish? Or so yeah, I think you've pretty much covered everything. To be honest, I think it just comes down to summarizing this entire podcast. So people who just want to skip the first forty-five minutes, they can just go to this time step and listen to everything we just talked about. So basically, we just define what FOMO is. It's just the anxiety feeling that someone gets, you know, when you don't attend an event or when you say no to a certain event. And you have to understand, it's actually a natural feeling. it's a natural human tendency to feel that anxiety or that fear when you don't go for an event and it just comes down to people saying that oh i just feel that if i don't go that you know i might become more distant from my friends or your family so on and so forth so next we talked about why do we actually feel fomo and that just comes down to our core values and how we try to validate our emotions by going on to social media and when you go on social media we realized that people only put on highlights of their lives but we fall for it and we feel bad for ourselves because you know realize that oh they're having the best time of their lives and what am i doing and he just got on this rabbit hole of anxiety and depression so on and so forth and we moved on to talk about how we can actually 
deal with FOMO. So I think both Felix and I gave really interesting points on um, how we can actually deal with FOMO. And uh, I think Felix talked about KAIMA, which is knowing I missed out. But I think Felix and I came up with a better acronym for it, COMO, or knowledge of missing out, I think is better. So yeah, FOMO and then COMO. Yeah. So basically it's talking about how that you have the knowledge you have missed out and based off on that, you can forego that decisions, have no regrets and actually make better decisions for your life. And I also, I think, kind of elaborate on it by talking about the cognitive behavioral therapy type one and type two thinking. So basically where you have to rationalize the emotion you're feeling, because I think Felix also says that that every event is an event by itself. We only dramatize the event when we add an emotion to the certain event so when you add anxiety to that event that's when you feel the emotion of FOMO or the anxiety or the fear whatever it is is when you apply the emotion so what you got to do is remove that emotion look at that event and rationalize whether whether going to that event would actually add value to your life whether it would actually kind of deteriorate your life I mean that's exaggeration but that's how you should think by right look at the positives and negatives and yeah that's type one and type two thinking if you practice type two thinking where you rationalize uh everything it'll eventually become a modified type one thinking and i think felix also talks about how living an intentional life possibly leads to jomo which is joy of missing out mm-hmm. because you know you realize that when you forego that decision of missing out it actually adding value to your life and that adding value to your life would eventually lead to joy further down the line. So it's actually FOMO, fear of missing out, that leads to COMO, knowledge of missing out, and eventually JOMO, which is joy of missing out. Oh, Does that sound right? Great. Oh, look at that trifecta. There you go. That's so legit. So yeah, I think that pretty much concludes. But before we conclude the podcast, we need to go back to the old tradition, which is the one insight of the week. So to kick us off, get Felix started, please. Yeah, so when I was at home, I met up with my friend called Martin. And he explained to me for the first time, I don't know why I never looked this up, for the first time he explained to me what IMAX actually is and why it's like really good. So he's he's really into filming and stuff. I had no idea about this, right? Do you know what IMAX is at Harish? Oh man, I just know it's a movie theater. That's about it. You can, we can watch it in the movie theater in IMAX. <laughs> That's yeah. all I know. So it's like, it's like a special form of viewing, right? Yeah. And the reason it's special is that, so IMAX is a really expensive version of cinema that you may see mm-hmm. advertised everywhere. And essentially all the big players in cinema like Nolan and I think Tarantino like exclusively shoot in analog which is what gives you IMAX cinema so analog means that they use like cameras that basically film using film rolls right so mm-hmm. it's not like mm-hmm. a digital sensor it's a like a yeah. roll of massive film that's like 72 mm-hmm. millimeter per shot like the old vintage cameras right uh, rather than digital footage this is supposed to provide like a higher quality and also a like a larger field of vision so you can see more because the film records more than like a sensor that you can get in digital cameras. So digital cameras use sensors um, like Nolan and Tarantino use these films, right? So mm-hmm. for example, if they want visual effects, uh, Martin was saying like they need to burn it onto the film itself. And when they show it in theaters, it's just like, like a, I don't know how much it weighs, but a, but a massive, massive roll of film. Okay. 
and they have to put it on like this special machine and like roll it around all this stuff and they, they've got a guy that like look off, looks after it and you know that it needs to be carefully aligned so it's not because they have to play audio separately because it's not digital so you run the film mm-hmm. you line it up with the separate audio and you have to so like exactly yeah so it's it's so insane i never knew about it so it's definitely worth a watch if you if you want to have a look on youtube so yeah that was mine how about yours harish mm-hmm. well i have three insights actually so uh, I think one, two of the insights have actually to do with the current topic you're talking about. And I just came across this article I was researching on FOMO. So it is by this philosopher or French philosopher called Montesquieu. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how to pronounce it, so sorry. <laughs> okay. And he states, if one only wished to be happy, this could be easily accomplished. But we wish to be happier than other people. And this is always difficult for we believe others to be happier than they are Hmm. so i think that relates to the whole fomo like how we feed off on this instagram posts or the facebook status saying that oh yeah they're living the best time of their lives Mm -hmm. so i think we got to forego that entire mentality where we gotta base our happiness off other people's status and instagram posts Mm. so that's one and a second one i came across was uh this is actually funny uh what it was is similar to what Felix said about the race cars. So that was his quote about how you're trying to compare your life is like trying to say you're trying to compare your financial statements or your bank statements from a month's salary with the Forbes for top 400 people. How would you feel at the end of it? Yeah, <laughs> I really loved at that kind of quote. I was like, that really makes loads of sense. You can't compare yourselves to like Warren Buffett or, you know, Bill Gates. That, does, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And the third insight is something from a personal experience, rather. So, as I said, I, you know, I'm in my year three of MBBS degree. So, the first two years was mainly, you know, theoretically, you learn the physiology, you learn anatomy, you learn the pathophysiology. And year three is actually, I mean, I know it's clinical, but it's a whole other game mm-hmm. because you can be the best in, like, you know, your studies. You can memorize tons and tons of information. But when you're put in the spot and asked to do like a scenario where you're not supposed to do CPR or, you know, save this guy from anaphylactic shock, mm-hmm. the whole scenario changes. Yeah. You can be the best first in your knowledge. But thing is, you have to learn how to extract that knowledge from your brain and learn how to apply it on the patient. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole other ball game. So I just thought like, you know, potential medical students should know about this, you know, whole uh, clinical aspect because you just think oh yeah medical medic- medicine is just hard because you know just tons of memorizing mm-hmm. but I, re- I think you also have to realize that it's not just memorizing you have to learn how to apply what you have memorized yeah which i'm currently enjoying i mean as much as it is very hard mm-hmm. i'm not gonna lie it is a bit hard because you know you have to extract the knowledge and apply it mm-hmm. but it is all a learning journey and at the end yeah. of the day you yeah. learn what you actually do mm-hmm. So yeah, those are my three insights for the week. I know I usually don't share this much, but I just feel like I have to share this today. But yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's about it. That pretty much concludes our podcast for this month. I can't believe I'm saying this, but for this month, the next episode will be out next month. And we will definitely have an interesting topic lined up for you guys. 
if you guys want to reach out to us, please reach out to us at the official 10th men at gmail.com. 10th as in the numerals. If you want to reach out to us through Twitter or Instagram, is at 10th men, M E N, and 10th as in the numerals. And if you want to reach out to me personally, you can reach out to me through Twitter and Instagram at Proboost. I know it's a weird name, but it's P R A B O O S T. And what about you, Felix? Yeah, you can find me at felixbejoy.com or at felixbejoy on Twitter or Facebook. Um, Twitter is the easiest way to find me. And also, thank you very much, Sunny, for suggesting this topic. If you have any suggestions, please do send them through Instagram DMs and we'll definitely try and get around to them. Yes, thank you, Sunny. Until next time, keep safe. Tenth Men out. out.